Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. A generation or two ago, parents lamented about their kids, wondering if they were ever going to get off the phone. Today, it's not just kids. All of us are hooked in our phones. But take a look around. Most of us, including kids, are not talking on our phones. We're writing. We're texting, tweeting, Facebooking, Instagramming. And even though we're sending each other a lot of pictures and videos online, communication is driven by the written word. In online business, the written word has found enormous success in the shape of the multi-billion dollar company LinkedIn. Here in New Orleans, our own entrepreneurial ventures are chronicled in another version of the online written word, a blog. It's called The Distillery. Creator of The Distillery, Summer Suleiman, comes from an international news background with CNN, and she has a unique approach to business journalism, the bare-knuckles truth. Summer, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me, Peter. In the world of business writing, Jeff Parker is a best-selling author. His book, Platform Revolution, is causing something of a revolution of its own. It explains how business is being transformed and how you can transform your business by understanding what Jeff calls the two-sided network. That's the new company-client relationship that's been pioneered by companies like Uber and Facebook. Jeff, welcome out to lunch. Great to be here, Peter. All righty. Jeff, let's start with the importance of your book. No less than the chief economist of Google calls it a guide to the role of online platforms, what they are, how they work, and what they mean for business and economies. Andrew McAfee, the principal research scientist at MIT, says platform revolution is a manual for the disruption of your industry. You can either read it or try to keep it out of the hands of your competitors, present and future. Give us an example of what you're talking about when you're talking about platforms. So really, all of us who have been engaged in any kind of traditional business where we sell a manufactured product or we sell a service like an airplane flight, are used to this idea that we would procure some set of inputs. And if you're a manufacturer, you might end up all the way up the supply chain, poking holes out in the Gulf of Mexico, getting hydrocarbons, turning them into plastics, making sub-assemblies, getting that into a product, shipping it out to an end customer. Hooray, somebody paid us. And that's the model we've been teaching in business school forever. Absolutely, yeah. forever. And then the money f- flows back up the chain and compensates everyone. And as long as everyone gets a, a rate of return they're happy with, all good. What platforms do is they completely upend that because what they do is they provide a set of shared infrastructure. It might be computation, it can be storage, it can be data communications, and it can be contracts or it can be the financial connections. That shared infrastructure is then building blocks that 
other entities can come and join a platform and then create new products and services and then get access to completely new markets through the platform. And so what happens is it lowers the cost of starting a business dramatically right. and it gives people access to much wider markets at much lower costs than we've ever seen before. Now Summer, your online blog, The Distillery, is essentially all about honesty. Uh, entrepreneurs traditionally spend time and money on creating what they call a narrative, a polished history that makes their company look great. You basically say to them, so much for all that, now tell us the truth about what it's really like starting and running a business. And people seem happy to do it. They tell you all kinds of tales of struggle, depression, anxiety, failure, and these aren't all people looking back from some lofty heights of success. Some of these entrepreneurs are talking about current events. Why do you think business people want to open up to you like this? I think that what happens in these conversations, intimate conversations with people, is they really feel like it's a space to share the way that they really feel and the struggles they've had. I've had some interviews um, that feel a little bit more like therapy sessions. <laughs> 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 uh, but I think that um, when you take away all of the... Um, stories and, and headlines and, and news, it gets down to the human experience. And people really feel um, passionate about sharing their struggles and what it's really been like, or what it's really like um, to start and build a company. You know what I've been surprised about, Summers, when the guests we've had on, there's something about entrepreneurs where um, they want to tell you their failures. I mean, it's sort of like a Maybe it's very American, but it's like a badge of honor. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have, I've had no or haven't experienced any hesitation from people to talk about their experience because I think for them, failure is such a huge part of the learning experience. And there's almost this sense of sharing that experience with others, a sort of pay it forward idea of, okay, this is how I failed. This was my awful experience. Let me share that with you so that you can learn from it, so that you can take away from it. And uh, yeah, I, I, do th I do think in some sense um, for them it is, it's, it's therapeutic to talk about it. And you know, I've got to give you a lot of credit on something you wrote recently, and that was, uh, it was about the dinner, dinner lab going into bankruptcy and such, where you said, let's stand together through all our losses. And that, that took some courage, I mean, because the, the traditional way is to focus on our big successes. Uh, what made you do that? So I was actually um, having a conversation just shortly after the news um, broke about Dinner Lab. And as you well know, Dinner Lab is sort of this startup starlet of New oh, Orleans. Oh, I loved it. Yes, we, we all did. And, and someone asked me, uh, what are you going to write? How do you write about failure? And it really got me thinking. Um, in fact, Tim Williamson is the person who asked me, what do you write about failure? And I thought, well, everyone was so eager to know, you know, what happened and, you know, how did they fail? But I thought, well, let's back up for a moment here. Let's think about what that experience must be for these founders and these entrepreneurs who poured everything they had into this venture to have it fail. And I know from having had so many of these honest and intimate conversations with them that it really, really takes a lot to do that and then to have it fail. And so I thought, well, let's, let's just wait, let's wait a moment and, and think about what that experience is like before we start asking the big questions of what happened and how did it fail. And you know, when you think about New Orleans, we're always bragging about uh, the entrepreneurial environment here, but we've recently, had a few setbacks. I mean, you've had Dinner Lab, uh, companies that have got either gone into ba bankruptcy or changed their model directly is uh, 
You've had a Dinner Lab, uh, Renaissance RX was a company that everybody thought was going to change the world here, uh, the Receivables Exchange. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things I hear from people is that, sure, it's a great entrepreneurial environment, but we're not getting, we don't have that big, big success yet, that company that's hired 800 people. Uh, is there another way to measure entrepreneurial success? I think the other way to measure entrepreneurial success, from my experience, is this community. Where do people go when they have an idea, when they have an aspiration to start a company? Where do they go? And what are the actual resources that they can find? So let's say you are a gentleman who is, you know, Peter, you have an idea and you think, well, could I do this? Where would you then turn to? What would your, your immediate step be? And what I think is so unique about New Orleans is this community that exists to support these entrepreneurs. And this wasn't there, what, 10, 15 years ago? No, absolutely not. And I, um, and what I think it's interesting about that, or what I think is important about that, is having that community for when you do have failures, Dinner Lab being the right. case. Where, where do you turn to? Um, who do you seek out for that support? Who then helps you take your crazy idea and just, and, and launch it? And, and in some cases, which there will be failures, then, then who do you turn to? Then where do you go? So I would say that having that support system, that network of entrepreneurs to support you um, is, is a sign of that. And Jeff, what about the platform model uh, for an existing business? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you even talk about that? Yeah, so we get, a, we get asked that question pretty much all the time, Peter, and, and it's an important one. Um, because most existing businesses are likely at some point to face disruption um, or be impacted in some kind of fundamental way from the rise of these large digital platforms. So the, what we tell people is you've got to focus on the data that your transactions, I mean, you have an ongoing concern, you've got customers, hooray, and you're generating an enormous amount of data as a result of all of that. That becomes sort of the digital oil, if you will, or the raw material that you can actually use to start to craft kind of new products and services and also to attract people to your system to build on top of. So I'll give you an example. Um, think about John Deere. I mean, that's about as kind of nuts and bolts and old economy as we can think. You know, putting plants into the ground, hoping that rains come from the heavens, and then harvesting them in order to generate our food supplies. And yet, now what they've started to do is instrument all of those tractors, and now they have become sort of uh, data gathering points, and you mash that up with lots of weather information. You now have all of the data on exactly what the food and the different seeds were, so now you're running a constant set of experiments that can be run across an entire sort of globe, if you will, about what works and what doesn't. That same idea is what you would end up trying to implement in lots of different firms. Now this is the time uh, we do the checklist, little part of the show where we take a break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. And Summer, I'm going to start with you because I somehow I think you're going to be good at this particular question. How do you recharge your batteries? Because you're always up when I see you. Thank you. I recharge my batteries by meditating. I've been meditating, I've been practicing meditation for about four and a half years now, and I swear by it. Creatively, um, it's great for physical and health, all sorts of um, health benefits. Why, and do you, um, 
you know, you're so busy doing so many things. Do you, do you carve out a, a specific part of your calendar f- to meditate? I do, Peter, every single morning, um, right after I make my bed and brush my teeth, the next step is meditation. So that's what I found has really been um, the key to it is integrating it into everyday uh, life. How long do you meditate for? I meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. Like just before you go to bed? Yes. Wow. I like new ideas like this, but I, the only when I try to undertake these, like I, I wanted to do yoga, and I accidentally went to hot yoga and almost <laughs> almost died. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical. But <laughs> yeah. Yes, hot yoga I, can be dangerous. It said 108 <laughs> yoga. I thought that was the address. That was my problem. On a, it was, uh, <laughs> oh. Now, Jeff, what is your greatest extravagance? So one of my greatest extravagances is actually... Uh, taking time out to go sailing on Lake Pontchartrain, and so do you have a um, boat? We do, and my wife, my wife Deborah, and I, um, we looked at the possibility. You know, some people get condos over on in uh, Pensacola or Orange Beach, but we just realized we were never going to have the time um, to make that make any sense. So we said, how about we just put something in our backyard? And so we bought a sailboat a few years ago, and really, Summer, to your point about um, relaxation, we now take vacation in four-hour increments. (laughs) 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 And and I'll tell you, if if you want to talk about recharging your batteries, just leave all of this digital communications noise somewhere else, go out, be outside, and sort of experience the wind and the weather and the sun, um, preferably with some friends. And then when the sun sets, there might be wine and cheese involved. (laughs) (laughs) And it's amazing, you know, in terms of the ability to decompress. I have to agree um, with Jeff that people ask me all the time about meditation, but there truly are different forms of meditation, whether it's rowing or running or whatever it is. um, Like Jeff said, that gives you that focus and just ability to tune out everything else. So there's hope for you, Peter. Well, there's that, that's, <laughs> I would love that. That is great. Now, Summer, Jeff, let's do a round of one quick question. These are questions that have come in from listeners over the past week, and I'm just going to ask you uh, one each. Summer, this question came in for you from Kyla Weber. It's actually two questions, but they're both worth asking. In your experience, talking to entrepreneurs who have failed and succeeded, are there early signs of failure that would be good to know? And have you thought about writing a book based on the interviews you've done? Early signs of failure. failure. I have to think about this one a little bit. Like you meet a guy and you think, wow, this isn't going to work. But he doesn't <laughs> know it yet. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for him. Um, <laughs> I have to say, um, Peter, of all of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, some local, um, the one that stands out to me the most is um, uh, jo- Jonah Peretti, who's um, the founder of BuzzFeed. Um, so local entrepreneurs to national entrepreneurs, I can tell you the one quality that all of the successful entrepreneurs have had has been humble, humble quality. And I do meet some people and sit down and interview some people who are, um, who are the quite opposite. Um, right, a lot of bravado. And yes, bravado and, and um, um, arrogance. And I, I think, and they just, they know that they are going to succeed and they're going to do it on their own and they're taking down everyone. And I have to think to myself, 
I don't think that's going to go very far. <laughs> wow. So, and, you know, that's yeah. just the opposite of what a lot of people would think. They would think they're all kind of brash type A personalities. That's not what you found. Not at all. Not at all, Peter. And, and I really am, and am fascinated by every time I sit down for one of these interviews and have these conversations is that it's always um, a humble attitude and they're always the most successful entrepreneurs um, um, don't claim the success as their own. It's always a team of people behind ah, it. That is great. Now, Jeff, uh, here's a short but interesting question for you that it's coming from someone calling themselves TS77. Hmm. There's a. <laughs> what, what's your take on Bitcoin? <laughs> Great question. Um, so, Bitcoin, the company, or Bitcoin as represented by the technology? I think the probably here is the technology. Yeah, uh, because the company obviously has been challenged, especially with the kind of meltdown of Mt. Gox um, and all of the money that just magically disappeared. Uh, but if you look at the blockchain technology, and what that has the potential of facilitating, it's, it's truly transformational because what you're able to do is take financial ledgers, expose them publicly, and then kind of federate, if you will, the verification of accurate transactions. And then that takes an entire layer of cost out of business as we know it today. So if you think about auditing functions, or if you think okay. about the maintenance of these kind of complex ledgers, um, those all have the potential of being transformed by this technology. So I think we're just at the beginning. And if you look at a lot of businesses um, that don't exist yet, but could, um, they'll depend upon kind of micropayment mechanisms, the ability right. to transact very small fractions of value, and the blockchain technology that, that people, uh, you know, that was popularized by Bitcoin is going to be fundamental um, to making that happen. And let me give an example. So we were fortunate last summer to be asked by the state of New York to help them think through, well, what would a platform look like in order to harness distributed energy resources. These are things like Tesla batteries yeah. or solar rooftops or you know, small-scale hydro or small-scale kind of generation like um, you might have from natural gas. Um, and importantly, the storage that's represented in buildings, especially commercial buildings, where you have the ability to store energy for just a, a small fraction of an hour actually turns out to be incredibly valuable. However, because a lot of these transactions are very small in nature, you need a cheaper mechanism in order to facilitate that, and the blockchain technology is going to be fundamental to making that happen. So would you tell TS77 that um, Bitcoin, the company you don't know about, but, that, but they are onto something? Um, they were definitely onto something, and I think that uh, we've only just seen, the, be seen the, uh, the beginning of that, Peter. Well, great. Jeff Summer, even with the myriad changes in business and technology, and despite warnings about the demise of books and newspapers, the power of the written word is undiminished. Whether it's a, a blog or an e-book, good writing in business and elsewhere remains invaluable for conveying vital information and new ideas. Thank you both for enlightening insight into your own worlds of words and ideas, and thank you for taking the, the time and joining me for out to lunch. Peter, it's been great. Um, thank you so much. And I do want to just share one thing with um, 
with your listeners. I was about to say with your readers, but, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm 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 there on the written word with you. But you know, one of the things that we get asked is kind of how can people learn more um, about sort of these ideas, um, and we get all kinds of inquiries and questions. So what we've been building is something we call the Platform Strategy Institute, um, yeah. which is you know .org, so it's a website. Uh, that one of our local New Orleans um, web design companies, um, Aptitude, helped put together. Oh, yeah, good and um, you know, we're really excited about the potential of trying to connect people so that they can learn from one another um, about how to better sort of use these new technologies and the new business models. Well, thank you. That, that's going to help a lot of folks. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Jeff Parker, professor of management science and author of the book Platform Revolution, How Network Markets Are Transforming the Economy and How to Make Them Work for You. And Summer Suleiman, she's the creator and curator of New Orleans business blog, The Distillery. You can find out more about Jeff's books and Summer's blog by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, and live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellison. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music, including his latest record, Puzzle, is at mitchellforeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like and who wouldn't, uh, you can find photos of this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments.